To start this message, I need your help. So I'm going to count to three, and I want you together to read the theme. Okay? All right. One, two, three. Okay. Now, when someone normally says those words to you, how's the vibe? How are they looking at you? Are they, I don't know, then we just maybe just leave it there. I don't want, I don't want to taint your thinking. Like what kind of tone do people have when they say those words to you normally? Concern, okay. Anyone else? It could be frustration. What do you need? Yes. It could be concern. It could be frustration. It could be, I'm so concerned about you. Yes, please, I want to help you. Or it could be, I'm so annoyed with you. Leave me alone. Like, it could be totally like opposite. Right? And that's why I didn't want to say the theme. I didn't want to say it because however tone I used would skew how you took this phrase. Because this is a phrase that is completely dependent on tone. It could be, what do you need? Or it could be, what do you need? And hopefully you've had more people be concerned when they ask you this question, rather than, what do you need? <laughs> but the truth is, sometimes, whether or not people are using that, what do you need, in that kind of tone, sometimes when we have our requests, when we do have needs, we can feel like, the way people would respond is, what do you need? As instead of, like, what, what, do you, what do you need? And sometimes we can feel like that's how God would respond. In like a, what do you need? Where he doesn't want to hear from us. Today's lesson, today's lesson really matters for us because today's lesson will help us identify and consider some of those voices that would maybe make us feel like we can't ask this question. We can't ask God what we need. These kind of voices that would make us feel like God is frustrated or annoyed or doesn't want to hear from us. We're going to identify those and then break through that noise and hear that we have a Savior who looks at us and just genuinely says, what? What do you need? The lesson we have, it's Mark chapter 10, one verse, verse 48. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now with our lesson today, we come very near uh, to the end of Jesus' earthly ministry and life. Actually, right after the events of our lesson, we get to Palm Sunday. So the beginning of Holy Week. So this is, and when it comes to the way Mark records it, really not long at all before we get to the events of Jesus' death and resurrection. Now, even though it's later in his ministry, at this point, still, there's a lot of confusion where people are not really understanding what Jesus came to do, even amongst his disciples. And we had this account in our background lesson where we're told that James and John, so two of his disciples, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, teacher, and then they go on and they, they make this request that honestly, like every time I read it, I'm like, how do they have the audacity <laughs> to request this, to say this? Look at what they say. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> I don't even like, I don't know. I don't know whenever I ask anybody that, hey, I want you to do whatever I ask. It's just, I don't know, it's a strange to me question. But anyway, they come with this request and then he says, they say, he says, what do we want me to do for you? And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. 
Now, Jesus doesn't say, how do you have the audacity to say that? What he does, though, is recognize that they're not getting it. And so he says, you don't know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Now, just a little clarification. Jesus isn't talking about literal water baptism the way we normally think of it here. He's using these, these pictures of when you drink a cup in Scripture, this is the, the picture of, okay, are you going to, to, to take what life has to give you next? So like the Lord fills your cup and then you, then you, you, you drink of that cup as a, of taking what's ahead of you in life. And baptism means entering to something different, having it affect you, having it change you. And, and Jesus is saying, okay, can you drink of the cup and be baptized the way I'm going to be baptized? I don't think you guys get what I'm, what's going to happen next. We can, they answered. <laughs> Apparently they're thinking it's all going to be good and great, right? Well, Jesus says, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. So he knows they are actually, eventually they're going to they're recognize it. They're going to see it. They're going to step forward. They're going to be persecuted and suffer like him. They're going to get it. So it will happen. But to sit at my right hand or left is not for me to grant. Those places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And very likely Jesus has in mind right now when he's on the cross, he has a person on his right and on his left, right? And thankfully for James and John, it's not them. It's other people. Okay, so you have this question here, this misunderstanding. This is very much where many people are at this point, still not getting Jesus. And so... His disciples, they start arguing over this because they're upset with James and John. Jesus calls them out and he's like, hey, don't lord over trying to have all this authority and power. You guys aren't getting it. The Son of Man came to serve and not to be served. And it, it's right after this conversation with all this confusion and them wanting this glorified future for themselves that we get to our lesson today where Jesus again asks, what do you need? But in a very different context. Because we're told that they came to Jericho and as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now I just want to pause there for a minute because if you read this account in other gospels, you will hear that there are two men. And sometimes when you read one and there's just Bartimaeus and you read another one and it says that there's two men, that can feel weird. Like is there a contradiction? And, and no, it's not. What's going on here? Well, let me give you an example. Is So regularly here at our Fort campus, let's say you have a, a guest preacher, uh, prof pa uh, Professor Joel Russo, regularly speaks here. So let's imagine Pastor Kay and I went to some event at Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary where he teaches. And if I came back the next Sunday and I was here with you, I might tell you, hey, I saw Professor Russo there on, at the seminary, right? But let's say Pastor Kay was in, Cottage Grove the next Sunday, and he told them, yeah, I saw a number of professors that I know, including Professor Russo. Now, did our stories co conflict? No. But because maybe just what, how we remembered it different or what we wanted to emphasize, we just told it different. And here, because I'm speaking to you and you know him quite a bit because he's here almost as often as I am actually lately. He's here pretty regularly. Um, that you guys know him quite a bit, so I would probably emphasize him. For the people at our Cottage Grove campus who usually worship there, he's never preached there. They don't know him. So he's not really as significant. So it would make more sense to say, oh, I talked to a bunch of pastors. Oh, and by the way, the guy who preaches in Fort, I saw him too. So your audience actually directs what details you share. And I just want to share that because when you think about Scripture and you read one, and then one seems a little different, this is often the case. 
It's just like we do when we're, telling, when we're recounting something that happened. It often depends on how quickly you want to do it, how many details are important, and who we're talking to. So here in Mark, he's only emphasizing the one man. In the other Gospels, they would bring in the others as well. But we're just going to really focus in on Bartimaeus. Okay? All right. So Bartimaeus, who is a, a person who's been a beggar, who has been begging for help, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But then we're told that many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. And to be quiet is really too nice of a translation because there's a phrase in the Greek that means to tell someone, you know, would you be quiet? Like, and then you, that, that person chooses to be quiet. There, this phrase is, is more of a forced quiet. They were trying to force him. Shut up! would be a better way, a better way to think about this. It's kind of like, let's see, we've got some of these remotes back here for these TVs, you know, and if there's something really obnoxious on the TV, like, you know, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck or something like that, right? And you're just like, all right, I've heard enough, mute, <laughs> right? That's what they're trying to do to this blind man. Except for you don't have a remote to do it, so they're probably just yelling at him, Shut up, would you, Bartimaeus? Enough! Quiet! And if you're like, man, this is getting abrupt, this is how it would be. This is what they would be doing. And any, let's see, you guys, any young ones, by the way, shut up is not a nice word. I'm just, I'm showing, I'm, don't use that word, okay, that phrase. I'm showing an example of someone who's being naughty. FYI. So they're telling him to shut up. But now here's the question for us is, is, what do you think went into this? Like, why? Why were they just like so forceful to tell Bartimaeus to shut up? When Jesus, by this point, had healed plenty of blind people, they maybe could figure out why Bartimaeus is yelling. What's going on? And if you're a note taker, this is the time to get your pen out and, and, and to take some of these notes. This could be part of it. At this point, maybe they're thinking, we don't have time for this. Remember, they are traveling, right? They've been walking. They're coming out of the city. We just don't have time to stop. We have places to be. But it also could be that at this point they're thinking, there are bigger things than your problem right now, Bartimaeus. Remember, there's all this misunderstanding. James and John, they had these visions of this glorious future. Many of the people, they thought that the Messiah would come and he would lead this rebellion against the Romans. Healing people was not really their big priority. They wanted to fight against Rome. They had other priorities. There, there are bigger things right now. Don't bother him. Right? Like Jesus is here. He's really important. He's the guy we want to do these other things. Don't bother him, Bartimaeus. There's also maybe the thought that, well, you know, you've been helped enough. He's there begging. He's a blind man. He probably, that's probably how he makes his money, right? Each day, like, he's probably just there begging every day. And maybe they've given money to him in the past, or other people have. I'm like, Bartimaeus, people have already shown you charity and done good things for you. You've been helped enough. Stop asking for more. And maybe they even thought that he was embarrassing or kind of a pain. You know, like, you know, when you have somebody significant over to, like, your, your home, 
and what you normally just like put up with in your home. Then you look around, all of a sudden you're like really embarrassed that this is a mess and that's a mess or whatever it may be. And, um, which by the way, if, if you're ever embarrassed that your house is a mess, my house is mostly a mess most of the time, by the way. Um, but, uh, maybe at this point, like, okay, they've got, oh, we've got the guy. He might be the Messiah. He might be the savior, the promised one. It's going to be the king. And now we've, we've got this beggar over here. Just like, like, maybe it was embarrassing. Maybe he felt just like a pain to them. And maybe they were just like, you know what? Just accept it already. Like maybe in, 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 a, in a narrow way, but kind of in a bigger way. Like, you know, if they're walking past and if he said once, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me and Jesus didn't listen right away. Maybe they're like, you know what? He's not listening to you. So just accept it. Shut up. Or maybe there's the fact that he's been blind probably for quite a while, right? Like just get over it. This is your place in life, Bartimaeus. I mean, it could be any of these thoughts going on. But now as we think about their reasons for telling him to shut up, have we ever had any of these thoughts in our minds as we think about people in our lives who maybe need, need rescue just as much as Bartimaeus did? You know? Like we, one of the things that is so at least this is my perspective, just so unfortunate about our culture right now is we are so on the go all the time, right? And so when we have to get from here to here, if somebody needs, if somebody inter like interrupts our schedule of where we need to be, is our usual reaction like, all right, yeah, I want to stop. I have time for you. Or I don't have time for this, right? Because I got to get the kids here. I got to get, I have an appointment here. I got to get there. I got to get the groceries and then get home and be done. Like, I don't have time for whatever is going on. Ain't, that's not always, like, sometimes you legitimately do have certain things, like you have where you need to get somewhere, you know. But are we so on the go that we never have time for anyone? Are there, sometimes is the thought in our minds that there are bigger things you know, someone's got this problem they're dealing with, and it's just, it's not your priority. You got other stuff you want God to do in your life, and you're just not concerned about their thing. Because you have a different thing that you want God to work on. And maybe you're not thinking, like, don't bother God with it. Like, that would be a weird thing. But sometimes, like, just don't bother me with it, right? Don't bother me with your problem. I know it sounds kind of harsh, but sometimes we feel that way and think that way. Or maybe you know someone who, who has been asking for help for a while and maybe you're just like, you know what, I'm done helping you. Now granted, there's some fine lines, there's some balances here. Because sometimes you might say, if somebody has been in a bad pattern of behavior, there might be a point where you have to say the loving thing for you is to let you kind of experience the results of your behavior. Sometimes that's the case. And even as I think about these things, too, when it comes to not being bothered or, or you know, I've, I've helped you enough, things like that, is, is I know for me, as a, I, I've really been working on in my life, like having good, clear boundaries. As a pastor, that can be hard sometimes because, like, you want to be available, and at the same time, you need time to just be at home or be a husband and a father and things like that. So I've been working on proper boundaries, right? I take my day off and, 
if a text comes in or something, I kind of do like a little triage. Like, is this a, a, a right now have to be done thing or can this wait till tomorrow? And if it can wait till tomorrow, it'll wait till tomorrow, you know? Um, so I've been working on that. So there is, there is bo- boundaries are healthy. Things like that are healthy. Sometimes you do have to say, no, you know what? You're on your own for a bit because you got to see what that's like. But those things come out of love and healthy behavior. Are there other times where we like, I'm just not interested in helping because I just don't want to be bothered, you know? It's good for us to ask the question, what's the motivator? Or we just don't want to deal with it? Or is it a healthy thing that's going on? Sometimes the people in our lives can be embarrassing. <laughs> like, it's just embarrassing. You know, maybe you're embarrassed by that person in your life who keeps doing whatever. And maybe they're really a pain. And maybe you're just like, you know what? I've accepted it, and so you should just accept it too and just get over it. Sometimes maybe we've had this thought, and we've been like the people in the crowd who've wanted the people around us. Maybe we haven't said it because we're too Wisconsin nice. Although, you know, there's like Minnesota nice, and then there's Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a little lower than that because Wisconsin's are a bit more honest because they're more German, and they just sometimes tell them how it is. But there's still a level of Wisconsin nice. Like maybe we haven't said shut up, but we've thought it. Like, would they just shut up about this? So maybe we've been those, that crowd. But we need to take this one step further. Is, is, is maybe we haven't, maybe it's just not just that we've been this crowd. Maybe it's that we've also been Bartimaeus. Have we ever had people be like this to us? Maybe you can think of people, but I encourage you to think about, has, has, has your own mind been this way to you? You know, like, do you, do you sometimes, do you hesitate to ask for help because you're like, I just don't have time to be helped right now. I don't have time to deal with my problem. I just, and guys, we maybe are especially good at this. Um, now, this is a generalization, but you heard the whole like waffle brain, spaghetti brain thing, right? We're typically guys' brains, they tend to compartmentalize stuff more like in the waffle squares. Female brain tends to be more spaghetti and tends to intertwine more and everything touches. And I say tends to because there's always exceptions. Like this is just an observation of generally speaking, right? And there's blessings and negatives to to both. Sometimes it's good to be able to compartmentalize your life. But if you are good, if now, so yeah, whether you're a man or a woman and this is how your brain works, if you're good at compartmentalizing, that can be a blessing until there's something you don't want to deal with and you just lock it up in that compartment that you don't want to touch. And then you just keep it back there. And then it, you know, festers and rots and it spills over into other compartments and it's hard to diagnose because it's buried deep over here and you just didn't want to deal with it. So sometimes, you know, I just don't have time for this. Maybe you have a problem that you really could use help with and it's like, you know, there's bigger things. Like there are more important things for God to worry about and for people in my life to think about than what's going on in my mind and my heart. I don't want to bother them or them. Maybe we feel like, you know, we've been helped enough. God's forgiven me so many times. I don't know why he doesn't just give up on me because I have. Maybe we're embarrassed to ask for help. Maybe it's painful. You know, whether there's guilt or there's shame or whatever it may be. Maybe we feel like we should just accept it. There's one other, other thing here too that we should think about too in this context that's interesting is, is, you know, right before this lesson, isn't it interesting that there is a request made by Jesus' disciples? And now our lesson is another request, right? 
But that request made by Jesus' disciples, they're asking for something here that's kind of, that they're interested in, that they want. But then you have this man here who's blind who's asking for something he needs. And, and maybe, maybe we're really good at asking God for all this stuff we want. God, we want this to happen. We want that to happen. But it's, maybe it's harder to actually ask for what we need. Or maybe because we're, we know we tend to ask for just what we want and not what we need, maybe we're, we're scared to ask at all because we know we've asked the wrong way or for the wrong thing or whatever it may be. For any of those situations, whether we've been the crowd or whether we've been Bartimaeus, our lesson reminds us that Jesus would meet us here and, and he would say, what do you need? And our lesson would encourage us to, to call out to God because he wants to ask us this question. Look again at what, uh, what this blind man does. Bartimaeus does. He shouted all the more. And the word shout, it really means like shriek or scream. It's not that he just spoke loudly. I would try to imitate it, but I don't want to annoy Leo out of here, and, you know, today. Like, like just like, like someone just like screaming out, just shrieking, this loud, loud voice. He was just going to, everything, he was just, this is like calling out with reckless abandon. This is not just like, Jesus, like this is all in. I need you. And then he also, he said, son of David which is significant because of all these promises connected with David. Back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, there is this promise made to David that, that God would, would build a house for David and not like a physical house, but that he would create a, a, a family and a line and that there would be a savior who would come from his line who would be the one through whom he would rescue the world. Now, this is one of those promises that often people got confused in Jesus' day because they're thinking David was a king. He led a lot of military battles. A lot of people are thinking, thinking okay, this is what the Messiah, this is what the king is going to be like. He's going to lead all these military battles. But here, Bartimaeus sees this son of David. The fact that Jesus is the son of David, he, he recognizes that the son of David isn't about fighting the military battle, but about coming to rescue God's people. And he calls out for rescue. That's what this word have mercy in me is all about. It literally means like save me, rescue me. I need your rest. I am in need. And he recognized, he appealed to the fact that, that our God is a God who loves to meet us in our need. You know, one of, uh, one of my favorite, I have so many favorite verses, but this is one of the ones I love. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. It's just really cool. It's really, this is like an underrated Bible verse that nobody knows. <laughs> but check it out. It says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. In other words, God is literally looking for people to help. He's looking around like, who can I help today? Like, you got a need? I want to meet it. You need something? I'm there. I'm here. Who, can, who wants, raise your hand if you want some help. That's kind of how God is. He's just looking around like, who can I help today? And Bartimaeus is appealing to that fact. Like, help me, rescue me, come for me. And what happens next? You know, Jesus tell, says, go tell that man, come on over here. And Jesus, he says, what do you need? And he says, I want to see. And then go. 
said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Not that this is like some powerful thing he did like earn anything, but rather through, through trusting in Jesus as his, his rescuer, he was healed. And you and I today, we can know that Jesus is here to meet, to meet our needs. He wants to hear what our needs are. And you can know that for sure because remember, right after this event comes Palm Sunday, what comes later in the week of Holy Week? It's this cross. And on this cross, he came to meet your greatest, your deepest need. Because the cross is where his whole life was heading. He lived this life that you and I were meant to live. That we were created to live with God. And we don't. Because we often, we don't, we don't trust God the way we were created to. We, we do things our own way. And, and we don't love people the way that we were meant to love. But Jesus always did. And then he went to that cross and he died so he could take the justice for all the ways that you and I don't. You know, when you do something wrong, it's got to be justice. Jesus took it. He paid for it. So God could look at you and say, your sin is removed. Your sin is gone. You are forgiven. And Jesus rose again to give us new life. And God could look at us and say, you've got a new life. You are free to be everything I created you to be. For eternity, you're going to have this life and you have a new standing, a new life, a new relationship with him right now. He met your greatest need there in Jesus. And because he's met that greatest need, you don't have to have all these things preventing you from speaking up to him. If you're a note taker, draw a little cross over that mute symbol. Because the cross means that you don't have to be quiet anymore. If Jesus came all the way to the cross to meet your need, you better believe that he is here to meet whatever need you throw at him. He looks at you and says, what do you, what do you need? Have these hands here in your worship folder and I put some kind of general, general examples of things we need down. I encourage you to write, you can write some of these if you want, but if you want, write more specific detailed ones. What do you need? I would encourage you to write this first one though, even though it's general. Write the word help. Sometimes it's just good to write the words or say them out loud. And maybe you even want to whisper them under your breath. What do I need? <coughs> I need help. Actually, you know what? You say that with me. On three. One, two, three. I need help. I wanted us to say that because it's sometimes really hard to say that out loud. I need help. So say that. I need help. What do, what do you need? We need love. We need love from God, and he, he meets us with that. We need forgiveness. And we need healing. Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, we need healing. Now, this next one I put, we need him to know what I need on there. <laughs> because, you know, thinking about like James and John, right? They made this request. It was not what they needed. <laughs> And sometimes we make requests and we're like, we, we don't know for sure what we need. And so then here's the great thing. If you're like, is this a James and John request that I have for God or is this a Bartimaeus request? Here's what you can do. You can come before God and say, God, you know what I need. So this is what I'm thinking. But you know, and I need you to know. And I need you to do what I need when I don't know what I need. It's a beautiful thing to be able to come to God and say, you know, I don't even know what I need, Lord, but you know. And so we can bring that before him. And we can come before him and we can what? We can ask for things like we can ask for guidance. 
God, guide me in this situation. We can ask for, for joy. We can ask for satisfaction, for meaning and purpose, and for peace. And, and we can ask for those, those things and, and, and realize that those are things that God created us to want and to, to desire. And sometimes we feel like, you know, God, but because of the things that he wants me to, to not pursue in this life or go after because they're sinful or whatever it may be, sometimes the enemy can get us a feeling like, well, God doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't want you to have all these things. No, he does. Joy, satisfaction, meaning, and purpose are all needs that he created us with. And he wants to meet them. So ask him for them. Give me peace. You could add so much to the list. Lord, what do I need? I need hope. I need strength. I need perseverance. Whatever it is, bring it before him. And when these voices start saying, yeah, you don't have time for this. You don't have... When that happens, remember Bartimaeus. This man just screaming out. Remember him. And remember all of the, the saints who ever have or ever will live. Remember at the beginning of the, the, the sermon I messaged that met, mentioned that this is often the Sunday we celebrate All Saints Day. And a saint is anyone who has been brought to faith in Christ, whose sins removed, that they're washed clean and they're right with him. Want to know one thing that all the saints have in common? They all needed a savior. They are not there. We are not honoring them, remembering them on this day because they were so great or impressive, but because Jesus rescued them just like he rescues us. The great mark of any Christian is, a, is, a, is of a person who has been brought to the realization that they need a savior and Jesus is him. That's what we all have in common. That's the fundamental baseline of anyone who's in Christ. So what do you need? Bring it before him. Your Savior is looking at you and he wants to answer. What do you need?